Josh Bowe, one of the editors at MavsMoneyBall.com, coming to you with another edition of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. I'm hosting for Kirk Henderson, but Kirk is still here. He did the recap, so I'm trying to help him out uh, in any way I can there. Uh, we come to you with good news. The Mavericks three-game losing streak is over. Dallas beats a good Indiana Pacers team 124-112. A very interesting game, uh, a good game for the Mavericks overall. Uh, but Kirk, how are you doing? I'm well. That was a – it felt like the kind of game through the first three quarters where the Mavericks were just not going to be able to keep the thread. And the fact that they came away with a win after the losses they've dealt with on their 10th road game of the year, which is ridiculous to say out loud, and, and you know, it's, it's just kind of nice. It, it, it is a weird game for sure. There's a lot to talk about, but it, it's good that they got the win. Definitely. I feel like there's a thousand different directions we could go. Uh, I guess the first thing I, we should probably talk about is just how the Mavericks won offensively. Uh, I don't think they've, they haven't played a game like this in a while. Um, they shot eight of 27 from three, 29%. And normally about the Mavericks last couple of years, you'd be like, uh Oh, uh, but they still shot 52% uh, from the floor. They scored 68 points in the paint uh basically took the pacers game plan and and did it against them while the pacers actually made some threes they were 16 to 39 so the mavs got doubled up at the three-point line but won by 12 because they just did very well inside the three-point line which we just haven't really seen them do a lot uh Przinga, Christoph Przingis kind of uh exemplified that 12 of 15 from the floor only three Three three-point attempts, 27 points, 13 rebounds, four assists. By far his best game since he came back. He had 23 points uh, in the game against Chicago, uh, the previous game. So, uh, Kirk, what did you what did you think? Because I think there's a lot we could we could kind of maybe read into this. Or do you think this is kind of a one-off thing because Miles Turner, the Pacers, a shot blocker and rim protector who's leading the league in, blo- uh, in blocks per game. Do you think the Mavericks just kind of took advantage of that? You know, wh- what do you think? Well, until all the guys come back, I, I this probably strikes me as a one-off game because the mm-hmm. Mavericks just need, you know, the fact that they won the game offensively while not being able to shoot is really kind of wild in and of itself. But, it was a flash and a reminder of why Porzingis at the five can be so effective for them. Uh, they they came out in the first quarter and scored 35 points. Luca was getting doubled at nearly every pick and roll, which was, it was a choice. Like I understand doubling on the sidelines or at points, but like doubling Luca in the middle of the floor is borderline stupid. And he was just finding whoever was open and Porzingis has developed into a much better dive man than he was at any point uh, uh, in the first part of last season. And he, you know, Porzingis got going early. I've been kind of adamant lately about not loving the kind of attempts Porzingis is taking um, just because I think that he is sort of a confidence man in the sense that when he sees the ball go in, it results in him doing other things, you know, better. And he had so many easy looks tonight. And later in the game, there was a shot in the third quarter. It wasn't even a shot. It was like a left-handed tip-in attempt that he got over three pacers. 
that is just not the kind of play I see him make very often, despite being seven foot three. And I can't help but think that that has to do with the fact that he was in the grind early, in the lane early, and just sort of made a point to live down there. And so when he hit a, a three later in the game, it had to be third quarter as well. It there's the Pacers know what to do. I mean, at that point, he looks like a world beater. And so that sort of stuff is just really entertaining to watch. I don't know what happens with whoever they play next. Carl is so matchup dependent. Um, and they, you know, they're still throwing together these like hodgepodge lineups, though. I do think we should talk about at some point the fact that he he basically ran an eight-man rotation against the Pacers, which is something. Yeah, and I think, you know, it definitely helps that he can run out the Prazingis at the five lineup when you're playing a Pacers team, Missy Miles Turner. And the Pacers, man, Sabonis was the only big they played. Uh, they basically played five out the whole whole time, uh, except you know, when Sabonis had some of his post-ups. But, I mean, none of the guys they played off the bench were big. They played, uh, you know, McConnell, Aaron Holiday, Jeremy Lamb. You know, basically a bunch of guards uh, off the bench and then played four perimeter players with Sabonis. So like, and Sabonis is 6'11", you know, KP 7'3", with a big wingspan. So like it made sense to start KP at the five and then just kind of let him rumble into the lane. And he just, like you said, he just kind of, he had so many easy looks and even the looks that weren't necessarily easy, he was just kind of flipping up shots against really, you know, Sabonis is a fantastic player, but he's just not someone that's going to be able to guard KP at the rim when KP is under the basket, uh, rolling free off a double team on Luca. So uh, I I really like what the Mavericks did. It it felt like they really had a game plan and they executed it very well. Uh, And then for as far as KP at the five going forward, like you said, it'll probably be matchup dependent. They play the Spurs next. The Spurs like to play. The Spurs will play two bigs. uh, So, you know, who, who knows what happens there, but uh, I think KP at the five feels like the answer if you want KP to score like 25 a night like he did in the bubble, and I don't know if they can ever go back to, I mean, they might have to, but like in terms of like KP next to Pal or KP next to Willie Cauley-Stein, I, I just I just don't think that's the way going forward because the way KP plays when he's at the four, it's just like, the Mavericks just don't use their fours a lot to to screen and roll and mix it up and get touches ever since, you know, basically since Dirk uh, exited, his, exited his prime. You know, since then, Carlisle really just likes to have his five-man be the be the main screen and roller for the ball handler and kind of work off of that. So I, I just don't see how KP's going to get into a good rhythm. Just I hate when he's like that spot-up bystander, and he was like the exact opposite of that tonight. And he looked yeah. good. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because this sort of parlays into the thing that I'm finding most interesting about this sort of, you know, toilet bowl offense the Mavs have been running as of late is there's a whole bunch of dudes cutting, which is really cool to see. They just haven't necessarily been finishing on it. And Porzingis had a play in his first game back where he cut behind the basket and flipped one up because he was playing the four that game. And I'm wondering if there's if they can continue to kind of get more creative with using Porzingis and their cutters as they learn how to play off what Luca's doing. Um, I've written about this. I think I've said this on podcasts, but Luca, if you've ever played with a ball dependent guy, it's really strange because you, you got to figure out where to go and what to do and really to read what's happening kind of, uh, you know, 
kind of like you're playing a video game to an extent to where you're like like just kind of off to the side and you have to figure out when and what to do and when the right time that is and it's it's just a little strange and watching like you know josh green's gotten pretty good about it uh dorian finney smith is is really has excelled at it the last several years and seeing other Mavs kind of get in the mix you know james johnson has been pretty good at cuts but then he gets a ball and doesn't know what to do with it um so there's there's just aspects that i wonder if they could try to get kp in kind of different situations you know i was looking at at porzingis's shot chart on the season he's four or five um from the corners and basically below the break and from three-point range and i'm wondering if there's some things they could do occasionally to put him there um i know they want him near the basket or really up high for spacing purposes but I'm just, I, I just, this is something that's kind of rattling in my head because we've been seeing some really interesting uses of KP and Luca that we haven't seen until this year. Like they started off the game with a Kristaps Porzingis using a Luka Doncic ball screen. Um, it was wild. I don't know if you caught that in the beginning because the game was so early. Um, not much kind of happened off of it, but it's just like, we don't see that sort of thing. So I'm really curious to see what Dallas does when they get all five of their guys back, because it feels like this is mainly like the time of the year where they stay above water. And then we throw these games out the window as they figure out who they are in the next 15 to 20 games. Once everyone comes back. Yeah. It's pretty crazy how we really don't know much about this team. Uh, what they've played, you know, they played those first six games where Luca was a little out of shape and they're, you know, the trying to get, they're bearing straight and then they kind of go on a little run as uh, guys are picking it up and Luca picks it up. And then they're now they're missing all these guys due to COVID. Like we like usually like the smarter people say, like usually give a season 20, 20 games before you start trying to say, okay, is this for real or is this not real? Like, what well, you know, how do we, how do we project going forward? But like the Mavericks are 14 games in I don't think we're going to really know when we get to 20 with all these games these guys have missed. So like you said, it's going to be very interesting to see what this team looks like once everyone comes back. And, you know, if Chris Ups looks as good as he does. Uh, I'm. It was really nice to see the Mavericks win a game where Luka just really wasn't uh, an offensive force from the sense from scoring wise. You know, 13 points, 5 of 15 shooting. Offensively, probably one of his worst games in a hot minute. He had some really uncharacteristic misses uh, at the rim in the second half, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, maybe part of that is because of the way teams have been playing him and the and the the burden he's had offensively the last couple of games where he's just really had to do everything. I mean, Kirk, we've taught we how much of a night and day difference is this from the last game? The Mavericks had six players score and double figures and Luca wasn't even in the top four of, of those double double digit scores like basically a complete reversal of the of what was going down in, in the three game losing streak so I think that was huge like just it was just a matter of guys finally stepping up and, and making some plays and you know I know I, I'm gonna poke at you a little bit with Jalen Brunson and he definitely had uh, some weird moments running the offense in the first half, but he ended up eight of 13 from the field, 19 points. And I, I really liked the way he, I, when he's looking at the basket and he looks at score, he just, he's so, he's so much of a more confident and better player. Like when they ask, but him he does do, that all the time. What are you talking you know? about? He always looks at the bell. <laughs> well, I know, <laughs> but like, I know, but like when they try to make him like, all right, you're the backup point guard and you need to run offense now. Sure. Like it just looks sure. Weird. 
he he looked much more confident in his mid-range game like the pacers were giving him a lot of space around the elbow and instead yep. of like barreling headfirst into the into the rim or into the defender he's just like all right i'm just gonna take this little 15 footer uh and he was great at that all night yeah i it was an interesting game to kind of take notes on yeah because you know the pacers for the second straight game the mavericks played a box and one defense where the pacers started running that a lot in the second half and the mavericks looked much more prepared for it now that said when when any sort of zone defense results in a gunky offense. It's just not NBA players don't see it often enough and they don't run it or practice it enough either to where it's going to just take possessions to figure out where guys need to go. Even if all these guys understand what they're supposed to do. And then you pair that with the fact that a lot of these rotations and these guys don't have any, like, this is not what the depth chart looks like. So these guys aren't familiar with each other. So they're figuring out one another on the fly while also playing against weird defenses. And and compared to the game before where Luca is passing and doing things out of drives and the Mavericks just looked like they don't know what to do, there's a lot more confidence in, in who was doing what. Now, the confidence didn't always pay off because some of the shots that the Mavericks were taking were like laugh out loud funny. Like Willie Kleistein took a 10-foot baseline jumper that I cackled at because it was just – it's one of those things that he he did in his YouTube video but has no business doing it in an NBA game. You know, uh, Tim Hardaway was, was very confused. He passed – at one point in time, he passed to a pacer as Luca was posting up because he just wasn't – he had no idea what was happening. So it's going to be interesting to see if if teams are actually able to employ that kind of stuff against the Mavericks once they get more of their starters back. And, 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 you know, the Mavericks just have to be better at shooting. Luca had 13, he had 12 assists tonight. Uh, I don't need to go back and edit my recap because I put 11 and I feel like he should have had 20 with some of the (laughs) passes he was serving up. I mean, you know, Willie Colstein missing easy and ones James Johnson missed four open threes from Luca that were, I mean, it, it was pain. Like they're painfully bad misses just careening off the rim. Um, I mean, there's always that sort of stuff. It's just, it was very apparent in the early portions of the game when the Mavericks weren't figuring out what that they needed to do uh, against sort of the, the, the janky defense, but it was, you know, like at a certain point, like a win is a win. So the fact that these guys are getting this sort of experience green in particular, I think is, is at least, you know, valuable. Yeah. I mean, we could go right into Josh green. I think this is by far, I mean, there's not a lot to pick from, but this is by far his best game. I think as an NBA player, I mean, eight points, six rebounds, three assists. Did you see that pass he made to Tim Hardaway jr. From underneath the basket out to the three point line. I'm glad it got there because if it didn't get there, Rick Carlisle would have ejected him to the, to the G league. I know, but that was like, it was a Luca esque like right in the shooter's pocket. Like that was crazy. He's had uh, some really pinpoint passes this year, uh, at, like high difficulty pinpoint passes. Yeah. I mean, that that gives me hope because that lets me know that he has a feel for the game that is not just required, that is just not predicated on him being an, alpha, an athlete and out jumping someone or out running someone or something like that. And just having, just knowing that he can see the floor a little bit like that, not saying he's like a playmaker or anything, but just the fact that he has the ability to make those reads and make those plays on occasion just shows me maybe there's a little bit more to work with than I, than I thought. 
But man, he's scrappy, you know, six rebounds. He's always seems to be scrappy on the board. Six rebounds. He had a really nice uh he kind of got into it. I mean, they didn't get into it, but he he got a forced to jump ball just by poking his nose in there when he really could have just, you know, gone back up the floor uh, for transition defense. But and so so that was nice. Uh, four of seven from the floor, eight points. And then you take the good with the bad. He had shot two layups, I think, in the third quarter that didn't touch mm-hmm. the rim that directly <laughs> led to Pacers points. And it's like, yeah, rookie, that's that's kind of what happens. Uh so, but otherwise, you know, I thought it was interesting. You know, he got 23 minutes and Wesley Wendu got two. And yep. I, I think we would all prefer that even if Green does, t- t- you know, make us want to rip our hair out a little bit. Just because, like, I mean, me and you have said this every single game, you know, even when we get mad at him or we're disappointed in his performance, he just needs this time because there's no other way he's going to get better unless he gets the time. Well, I, I wrote this in the recap, which you haven't read yet, but I, <laughs> I, 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 I wrote that Josh Green gives me big toddler energy in the sense that I have been at home with my four-year-old now for 315 straight days and spent at least four to eight hours with him every single day. And development is a funny thing as you watch someone at that age figure out what they're doing. And it's obviously not a one-to-one comparison, but watching Green figure out what he can do where he excels is fun. Uh, I really like how hard he plays. I like when he gets the ball on the rebound and pushes it up the floor because the Mavericks and Luke in particular have a really weird habit of just wanting to dissect the other team. And Green, when he gets the ball, he races up the floor. He, you know, he drives with reckless abandon. He attacks the offensive glass. You know, he is a horrendous one-on-one defender. I, I just can't, you know, stress that at the moment enough. But that's because he's, you know, kind of hyped. It's not that he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just kind of getting, you know, he's off balance. He's got to figure out how to do some things better. But the tools are there. And I can see why guys are pretty excited about that, even though I'm, I'm, you know, the, the it's way too early to, to make kind of prognostications there. But then he hit that turnaround jumper from the baseline. <laughs> that was my he's going to the phantom zone if he doesn't complete that play for me. But it was awesome. It was awesome. It looked good. <laughs> And, and so it's just like it's nice in the sense that you'd like that you know it'd be much better if the Mavs could just be running guys out of the gym and somehow be like you know second in the west you know 11 and three something like that but if they're gonna you know be suffering you know COVID it's nice that that he's getting to have some of this experience because they just don't get the practice I mean what are they playing seven games in nine nine days at this point like the games are just non-stop and so for, for him to get this experience, is the, it's just a net positive, particularly if the Mavericks are winning. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I will. So they are doing their post game. Uh, well, they already, I think they're close to wrapping it up, but I just saw this that Carlisle said that if Turner played, Mavs would have stayed big, starting with Collie Stein and Przingis, but would have gone small pretty quickly, uh, quoting Carlisle. So, you know, there you go. I, so that kind of spurred it. Uh, but I think, you know, when they're going to watch this film, obviously the Pacers just did not, I mean, they didn't start any bigs. You know, there was only Sabonis and that's it. So that's going to factor in. But I think even when they play, as long as they can get away with it, because I think Finney Smith at the four is a little dicey. Uh, they just become a little too thin defensively. Uh, but we'll see. I just... <laughs> He plays at the five. It's just funny. He starts at the five. It's his first game started at the five and just instantly boom, 
12 of 15 from the floor, 27 points. It's And it kind of felt like that when Powell got hurt last season and he started at the five and just like, boom, he just immediately uh, caught fire. Uh, but not to get too sidetracked on that, I, I feel like before we go, I got to mention Trey Burke had a huge game. Uh, he was the only guy who made really any shots outside of Hardaway from the perimeter. 22 points on 16 shots, four of eight from three. Uh, Trey's season is hilarious because if you look at his game log, it's basically like <laughs> the flow chart for did Trey Burke have a good game is did he hit a couple of threes? Yes. Then he might've had a good, he probably had a good game. No, he had a crappy game. Like <laughs> his season has been predicated almost entirely on him, his outside shooting. And if you look through his game log, it is funny just to see like one of six, one of two, oh of one, oh of three, one of three, boom, seven of eight, two of eight, three of six, then oh of two, two of six, and then tonight four of eight. Like just <laughs> his jumper is such a key because I know like I've been watching him for a while since he got traded here in the Przingis trade. And then when he came back, when they brought him back for the bubble and everything in this season, he's he's such a small guy like i just keep forgetting like he is a small player like he gets dwarfed out there sometimes so he really needs that jumper because when that jumper is not working he's just so much easier to guard uh and and the mavericks just need someone off the also the mavericks just need someone off their bench to make shots because good lord with the with the way the bench situation is because of covid like james johnson's not doing anything wesley one can't shoot you know collie stein came off the bench and you know he missed five of his nine shots and he's you know taking all shots typically around the basket like they just don't have any shooters right now to come in uh and relieve the starters so you know as long as they got these guys out with COVID so it's just good to see and Kirk I'm wondering like I don't have an answer for this but I wonder if you have any opinion is so Burke and Brunson both had a great game and they seemed to do it while they were on the floor together and that hasn't really been the case this season so far because those two kind of overlap skill-wise, and I feel like that's kind of hampered both of them at the same time. But for whatever reason, this game tonight, they are both on the floor at the same time, and they were both doing pretty well. I wonder, do you think it's just because Trey had a good shooting night that it made it a little bit easier and gave Brunson a little bit more room? Yeah, a little column A, a little column Miles Turner not playing at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like like Sabonis was their lone big, and he got into a little bit of wonky foul trouble and I think was kind of concerned for that at parts of the game. I think he would have liked to have been more aggressive. I mean, heck, the guy still played 41 minutes. He also scored 25 points, grabbed 10 rebounds, and grabbed or and, and dished four assists. He's that good. dude is a, you know, ooh, man, he is 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 like a, a A-minus version of Jokic. It's really impressive watching him play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's if he keeps this up, he is he is going to be sniffing maybe all NBA. I mean, it might be really hard because he he's a forward. It depends on how it works, but he's going to make some noise potentially for an All NBA team if he keeps this season up. His season is outrageous right now. Yep. Um, but otherwise, you know, do you know defensively they played okay? Um, I think the the Mavericks were due for a team to start hitting threes on them. If you've been reading other reading our site if you've been kind of just observing the game you notice that the Mavericks three-point defense you know while probably improved because they've got some better defenders they've also probably had a little bit of luck on their side so it was bound to happen that they're going to give up a a good night from three for the other team but they were able to weather that and uh otherwise they kind of stayed cool collected 
uh, I thought in the third quarter when things were going to unravel a little bit, uh, and it didn't, uh, and it, and it happened with other guys besides Luca making shots. Like Tim Hardaway had a huge second half. Well, uh, he, he should have. At one point, compared to at one point, he was one of nineteen of of over the last two games, and the fact that he yeah. finished uh, with six of thirteen means he finished. Five, he hit like five of his next six shots. Yeah, so he's he, huge. He, yeah, he was. It was nice. It was good. For, good. For, I was glad to see him hit some hit some buckets. I mean, team high plus minus with plus fifteen. Yeah, and it was, he had that. He was he had his fingerprints all over the stretch in the fourth quarter to put that game away. I think he hit like, like you said, all those shots came. I think in that little that little spurt, he hit some threes. He had some nice uh, mid range closeout attacks. Like he looked really comfortable. He wasn't really forcing much in that in that stretch. So that was. They needed it. They needed some guys to make some shots. They needed someone else to score besides Luca. So that overall, pretty good game. Uh, Pacers are a good team, even though they're missing some guys too. But Ma- <laughs> I feel like no other team can complain about that with what the Mavericks have been going through the last couple of days. So uh, I think I'm all taked out. I don't know Me what too. else to say. All right. Me too. We're back. We got a doubleheader Friday, Saturday. So we'll be back in the grind because apparently there is no rest for the Mavericks until the all-star break is really what it's, what it's going to feel like. I will yeah. say I want, I have one more boring take as a East yeah. coast resident. These early starts are fantastic. <laughs> they are. Yeah, so <laughs> when, like too. when the Mavericks start playing at seven forty-five central time, which is really when tip off happens and the game, game finishes at like 10 15 central time and then you and i aren't finished with our pods till 11 central time. i'm gonna die so you know <laughs> enjoy me while you guys have me because this this is this is gonna be rough unless my kid goes back to school oh so. yeah because starting in february the mavericks are at home a lot so uh yeah that might be tough i've, I've liked it too i mean hell it's uh 9 10 here this is this is wonderful fantastic. yeah this is fantastic yeah. So yeah, double. So back to back Friday, Saturday, we'll be back with you this weekend. Uh, thankfully for the Mavericks, it looks like it's San Antonio, Houston. So not too bad on traveling. Uh, so, but we'll be back Friday. They play the Spurs at San Antonio again. Mavericks beat the Pacers tonight, one twenty four, one twelve. Mavericks snap a four game losing streak. They're now seven and seven, and we could start feeling good about things again. Uh, Kirk, thanks for joining me tonight, and we will talk to you guys on Friday.